Good morning, Lakeview Church. That's not too bad. Let's just try it one more time, though. Good morning, Lakeview Church. That's much better, much better. So good to be with you today and so glad that you are here. Uh, gathering like this matters. If we learned anything from uh, the time when COVID started, when we couldn't gather like this, gathering like this matters. The writer of the book of Hebrews in chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, talks to this. He says, we should not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, and even more so as we see the final day approaching, we should get together as God's people to encourage one another and spur one another on to love and to good deeds. And so I just want to take a moment to say thank you for taking time out of your weekend to be here in this room. And for those of you who are joining us online, thank you so very much for making the effort to gather with us. This is really important. Gathering like this matters. And so Lakeview Church, could we just take a moment and thank God for the opportunity we have to be together as his people this morning. Just with a round of applause, can we just give praise to God? I want to take just a moment and uh, particularly let everybody know in the room that at the end of this service, as Pastor Jessica already shared, we're going to be celebrating communion together. This is World Communion Sunday. Our brothers and sisters all over the world are going to be receiving communion today, and we're going to join with that because we are part of a global entity that stretches to every part of this, of this world and uh, we're going to join with our brothers and sisters and celebrate communion. So for those of you who are joining us online, I just want to look at the camera and let you know you can participate with us. In fact, we would encourage you to do that. And so uh, you can go right now. Uh, I mean, wait till I give you instructions, and then you can go. But we want you to get crackers or bread and some juice, grape juice if you've got it, but any juice will do. And we just want you to gather those elements. And a little bit later in the service, we're going to pray and consecrate the elements in this room and the elements that you've gathered and we'll celebrate communion together, and we want you to be a part of that. And I want to take just one more moment before we get into the message, and I want to invite all of the ladies who are part of the leadership team for the ladies' simulcast to just stand right where you're at. So I see Zoe back there, and Robin Hart, and Pat back here. If you're on that team, stand. Yep, uh, good, awesome. Just remain standing. I'm not going to embarrass you, I don't think, but... Um, uh, I just want to say thank you. I want to just honor you ladies as a team. And I know you had other people who were working and serving and making the event possible. But yesterday in this room, we had a ladies simulcast. And we had about 170 women who gathered in this space. Over 40 churches were represented. 25 cities across the state of Indiana were here in this room represented by women from those churches and it was a wonderful time of another and strong biblical teaching from the word of God. And I wanted to just take a moment to honor those of you who planned, prepared, worked, prayed, labored to make yesterday such a great success. And I want us as a congregation just to honor this team. So can we do that? You can be seated. I won't make you stand for the whole message. So... Um. Uh, we started a brand new message series last week, and this message series we're calling The Road to Freedom. And uh, we're really just talking about what does it take for us to be freed from anything that would keep us from the life that God has for us. 
Uh, here at Lakeview Church, we are an everyday church for everyday people. Anybody's welcome here. It doesn't matter where you're at on the spiritual journey, if you've been walking with Jesus for a long, long time or just a few days, or whether you're not even sure if you want to walk with Jesus yet. You're welcome here. We just, we just welcome everybody into this space. But we want every single person, and we're not ashamed to say this, we want every single person who finds their way into this church to follow Jesus, to live generously, and to make a difference. We just believe that that's what God wants for every single person, that he wants every single person on this planet to actually turn their attention to Jesus Christ and to organize their lives around him and to follow him for the rest of their days. We believe that and we call people into that kind of life. And we know that if people follow Jesus for any length of time, that you become more and more like Jesus. And when that happens, you just become more generous because Jesus himself is generous. He, he served and he gave and, and he, he sacrificed his life. That's who Jesus is. And when we follow him, we become like him. So we begin to live generously. And we believe people who are becoming like Jesus and living generously like him over a lifetime, they actually make a difference for good and for God in this world. And we just think that's what God wants from every single person. And yet what we know is that as we seek to live out that life, as we seek to follow Jesus, live generously, and make a difference, that there are things in this life, in, in our lives, in this world that actually hold us back. Right? God wants us to live this kind of life, but there are things that are just pulling against us. In fact, the writer of the book of Hebrews in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, he actually talks about this, and this is what he says. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. You see, the reality is, is that as you and I seek to run the race that God has marked out for us, there are things that hold us back. And as I was praying earlier this year for our fall message series, I just kept coming back to this question. It seemed like it was stirring in my heart and in my mind. What would happen if we as individual people, if we as a congregation could actually get to a place in our lives where we just got rid of every weight? If we just, if we just could shed all of the sin that was tripping us up and, and tying us down and keeping us from the life that God wants, what if we could just get rid of all of that and run the race that God has marked out for us? What if we could run freely? And as I started thinking about that question, I just kept coming back to the book of Romans. The book of Romans is a letter that's written by a guy named Paul. He wrote it to a group of Christians in the first century, Jews and Gentiles, in one church in Rome. And he writes this letter to them, and it's really a letter that outlines the foundation of the faith. It's really probably the clearest explanation of Paul's understanding of the entirety of the Christian faith in one single letter. In this letter, he writes about uh, sin and God's anger towards sin. He writes about grace and God's love. He writes about what takes humans off track from the things that God wants for our lives. And, and he writes about how God rescues us and brings us back on track. He writes about forgiveness and he writes about how to find freedom 
from sin. That's why I just kept coming back to this letter when I was thinking about this series. And so last week we launched into this series, and today's week two. And I want to talk to you today in a message called A Universal Problem. A Universal Problem, because there is a problem that we all encounter. And what we're going to talk about this morning comes right out of the verses that Carrie read for us just a few minutes ago. And I want to unpack those for us in the next few minutes. But I want to just pause and I want to pray. I want to ask God to speak to us through his word. So pray with me. God, we're here this morning. And more than anything else, we just want to hear from your word. We want to see what you have for us to see. We want to hear what you want to say. And we want to receive your truth into our lives today. So God, in these next few moments, would you open our eyes? Would you open our ears? And would you open our souls? And may we receive in these next few moments everything that you have for us. We give this time to you now. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we start thinking about this paragraph that was read out of Romans chapter 3, the very first thing that I want you to see is that there is a problem that we have. And the problem that we have is the problem of sin. Now, Paul's writing to a group of people, again, in the first century in Rome, Jews and Gentiles, and and he's writing to these two groups of people. And it's fascinating that these two groups of people who really were kind of divided groups in Paul's day. There were Jews, and then there was everybody else, the Gentiles, and there was kind of a dividing line between those two groups, and yet these two groups have found themselves in the same church together. They're one church, even though they're two groups of people, which gives our world today lots of hope. Because I don't know if you've noticed this, but our world is full of lots of groups and tribes, and factions. And I think the church is called to be a living witness of what is possible through the grace of God that people who are different can actually come together and be one church, united under one name. That's what was happening in Rome. Jews and Gentiles had come together, and yet there was still a little bit of the division Right? They're in the same church. They, they're all Christians. They're all following Jesus. And yet, they're still Jews and Gentiles. And so Paul, a little bit of what Paul's doing in the book of Romans is he's writing to remind them of the reality of their lives. And, and you got to understand what Paul's writing into. The Jews, of course, were God's chosen people. And so they believed that they had standing with God because of who they were. They were God's chosen people. And as God's chosen people, God had given to them his law. He had told them, keep these commandments. Not just the 10 that we know and write on the wall, but the 633 that that are all a part of God's commands. That's what the Jews had received. And so they believed that, that because of who they were, they were God's chosen people. And because of what they had received, they were kind of up here as it relates to this whole idea of faith, that they were closer to God. In fact, Paul writes to Jews in the book of Ephesians, and he says that there are some of you who realize that we were near to God. 
And then there were some who were far away speaking about the Gentiles because the Jews really did see themselves as being closer to God. They, they were God's chosen people. They, they had God's law and they were living by those laws. And so they thought that their standing with God was based on who they were and what they did. Keep that in mind. But Paul's also writing to Gentiles. And Gentiles were viewed by the Jews in some instances, not all the time, but in some instances as being kind of in a different level, a lower tier. They weren't God's chosen people. They had not received God's law. And what a shame that they would never be God's chosen people. They would never have God's law. They would never know how to relate to God like the Jews did. And and there was kind of some of that animosity, which is why there were two groups And yet Paul writes in Romans chapter 3 to remind them that in fact God's plan has never been to have two groups of people because in fact you don't have standing with God because of who you are. And you don't have standing with God because of what you've done. If you think that's the case, well that's silly because it's not true. And Paul writes Romans chapter 3 verse 23 to make this exact point. Listen to this verse again and and hear him talking to Jews and Gentiles. He says, for everyone has sinned and all have fallen short of God's glorious standard. What's Paul saying? Paul's saying, listen, there's not a two-tiered system. There's not some people who are closer to God because of who they are and because of what they've done. And people who are farther away from God because of who they're not and because of what they've not been able to do. No, there's just human beings. And all human beings, regardless of who you are or what you've done or who you're not and what you've failed to do, doesn't matter. We have all sinned and we all fall short of God's standard. Can you see what Paul's doing as he's writing this paragraph? He's saying to everybody in the church that he's writing to, listen, we're all on the same level here. We all have a problem. And that problem is sin. And it's a problem that you have, and it's a problem that I have. It's a problem that Jews have and Gentiles have. No one is exempt from this problem. All have sinned. Everyone falls short of God's glorious standard. That's just the human condition. Now remember last week we defined sin. We said sin was missing the mark. Remember we talked about the archer who draws back the bowstring and puts the arrow on the target and then lets the arrow fly. When that arrow is headed towards that target, when it lands in the bullseye, that that arrow can be said to hit the mark. But when that arrow flies to the left or the right, when it's too high or too low, it misses The mark, that arrow is in that moment sinning. That's exactly the word that Paul uses when he talks about sin. It's the word that means to miss the mark. As in God had a plan for your life, perfect, exactly the way he wanted you to live, in the character and nature of Jesus Christ. He wanted you to live in a way that's loving and full of peace and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. God had that plan for your life and he gave you gifts and abilities and he didn't want you to use those gifts and abilities to advance your own name or to to make yourself famous or to advance your own cause. He gives you gifts and abilities and talents so that you could work for his name and his glory and his cause. 
And in fact, he invites you into the process of making this world different and better, to make it the world that God wants it to be. That's the target, the bullseye that God was aiming your life at when he pulled back the bowstring and set you on it. He was aiming you at that target. And yet what we know about the human condition is that we all live life off target. It just happens. We don't have to take classes or get degrees in sinning. It just happens. None of us take our kids aside and teach them how to sin. They kind of just figure it out on their own. Just like you did. Just like I did. Why? Because we are fallen human beings and we live sinful lives. And this problem of sin, well, that's the bad news. God had a plan for our life and he aimed us in that direction and we just got off target in the way that we live and that's bad news. And what's worse is that God is holy and just. Which means when he looks at our lives and sees us off track, he doesn't say, ah, that's no big deal. Yeah, it's all right. You'll be fine. Just keep going. No, it actually angers God. Because God had an intention and a plan, and we're living off track. And because God is holy, that bothers him. Right? I I always joke around, uh, but I'm kind of serious. Like, I kind of have OCD. And so there are little things that basically don't bother you people at all that bother me a lot. Like, for example, in this room, I walk in this room every morning and I pray, and on one side of these lights, there are crosses, but if you go on the other side of the room, there aren't crosses on that side. That bothers me. You know why it bothers me? Because it's not right. It's not the way it should be. And, and there are patterns that I see when I walk into a room and I'm just like, it's just not. And I just have to look down. It helps me look down when I pray. Just keep your eyes closed and pray. Don't look around the room, right? Now, again, some of you are like, this guy is weird. And you're not wrong. You're not wrong. When God looks at our lives and he sees us off track, he doesn't say, ah, it's no big deal. No, it bothers God because God is holy. That means there's no sin. There's no blemish. There's nothing wrong with him at all. And he doesn't like things that are not holy. The psalmist talks about this. He says, who can go up on the Lord's hill? Only those who are holy and clean. God demands holiness. And because he's a just God, he can't just turn a blind eye. He can't just say, yeah, here's a hall pass. You can live your life however you want, and I'll just pretend that you're not sinful. God can't do that. He's holy and he's just. So we've got bad news. We are sinners. We've got worse news. God's holy and just, and he demands payment for our sins. Something has to be paid to to fix that, to make that better, to make that different. And then last week, I introduced you to a new word. Worser. It's the word worser. 
There's bad news, there's worse news, and then there's worser news yet. And I know it's not a real word, but just go with me. Because here's the reality. When we recognize that we're sinners and that God doesn't like that, our first response is, well, let's fix that. And so we work hard. We, we, we pay our taxes. We're nice to our neighbors. We help people. We serve. We, we pile up good deeds. Come to church. Give some money. We pile up all these good deeds. You just list them, hundreds of them, thousands of them. You can pile up all the good deeds you want to pile up. But here is the worser news. There is nothing that you can do to put your life back on track. You are not that strong. You are not that capable. You are not that smart. And you are not that good. It's the reality of the human condition. It's a universal problem. And again, I don't like talking about this, but, but this is the boat we're in. We're human beings. We're sinners. And God, God can't handle that. He, he actually doesn't want us to be on that path. And he demands payment. In fact, we talked about it last week. Our sin angers God. And there's nothing that we can do to fix the problem. I was thinking about this this morning, and I was just thinking about, you know, the line from, from the Apollo space shuttle. Houston, we have a problem. Yeah, we got a big problem here. We got a big problem. And how do we fix it? Well, we can't fix it, but there is a solution. And the solution is Jesus. The solution is Jesus. If you look at Romans chapter 3, there's a couple of verses that really speak to this idea of a solution being in the person of Jesus. If you look at Romans chapter 3, verses 24 and 25, this is what it says, Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. Now, there are two or three things that I think are really important to just point out from these verses. The first thing to point out is that this whole thing is God's grace. Right? Remember what I said? You can't, you can't put your life back on track. And this is what amazes me about God is because God, when he looks at us and he sees us as sinners off track and his holiness and his justice demands a payment, demands a penalty for our sin, God in his anger doesn't pour out wrath and vengeance. That seems like it would be the natural response, right? Like, you guys are off track. You're not doing what I want you to do, and it makes me angry. And then, boom, you're gone. Just wiped off the face of the earth. That, to me, seems like the rational thing that God would do. Except God isn't rational in this moment. He's extravagant in his love and in his grace. He says, I know what is demanded here. But instead of making them pay the price for their sin, I will pay the price for their sin. This is the grace of God. And how, how does he do this? Well, what he does is he actually sends his own son. Which brings me to the second thing that I see in these verses. Not only is it all built on God's grace, this is God's loving action toward us, but 
But there is a penalty that must be paid. Right? That's what he says through Jesus. What did he do? He freed us from the penalty of sin. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, I can't just turn a blind eye to what you've done. I can't just give you a pass or ignore the reality of your sin. I've got to pay the price for that sin. There is a penalty. Somebody has to go to the penalty box. Can I get an amen from the hockey fans in the room? Hockey is almost here. That's the only reason we watch the first few weeks of the NFL season, just to remind us that hockey season is coming. That's the only reason we do it. Hockey's coming. And when a penalty is called, somebody has to go to the penalty box. Except in our instance, when we are clearly the perpetrators, we're clearly the ones who must go to the penalty box, what does God do? God says, I'm going to send my son to the penalty box for you because the penalty has to be served. I'm not going to just turn a blind eye. I'm not just going to look away. I'm not going to pretend it didn't happen. It happened. But I'm going to pay the price for you. Which brings me to the third thing that I see in these verses, that Jesus himself is the sacrifice. He goes to the penalty box for us. He gives his life as a ransom for many, which is the reason we say Jesus is the good news. I mean, there's bad news, right? We are sinful people, and God's angry, and there's a price that's got to be paid, but there's good news in his name is Jesus. This is why at Lakeview Church we unashamedly say we want every single person to follow Jesus. Because we think you, you must follow Jesus. We don't think there's any other solution for the problem of sin in humanity. In fact, I want to say it even more clearly and plainly so there's no misunderstanding. Jesus is the only solution for the problem of sin. I know you'll hear people in our world say, all of these religions, all roads lead to God. They don't. I know that it's the nice thing to say. It's the politically correct thing to say. And it sounds just so loving and accepting and wonderful. But I, I would be doing a disservice to anybody listening to me today to tell you that these hundred ways all lead to the same destination when I know that only one of them will take you where you want to go. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, period. He's the only solution. So we've got a problem and we've got a solution. But how do we get from this problem to this solution? Well, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 3, the way to go from our problem to our solution is belief. And for all of you Mandalorian fans out there, this is the way. There are a few of you. And some of you who have seen The Mandalorian you will catch on a little bit later. I know Alan's with me. Are you with me? Yes, yes, I thought so. This is the way. The way from problem to solution is belief. Look at what Paul says in this passage of Scripture. Romans chapter 3, verse 22. We are made right with God. How are we made right with God? By placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who 
believes no matter who we are. And then in verse 25 of this same passage, people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. How are people made right with God? They're made right with God when they believe. We all have this problem. I'm not exempt from it, and neither are you. But there is a solution, and his name is Jesus. And the way that we apply the solution of Jesus Christ, his person and his work, to the problem of sin in our lives is through belief. We put our faith and we put our trust in him. And when we do, we're made right with God. Our sins are forgiven. Our lives are changed. And God rescues us from being off track. And he puts us back on track with the plan that he has for our life. We organize our lives around Jesus. We follow Jesus. We fix our eyes on him. And over time, we become like him. And we begin to live the life that he created us to live. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. And some of you are here in the room and you've never decided to believe in Jesus. You've never made a, a decision in your life to say, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to believe in him. I'm going to believe that he died so that I could be made right with God. Some of you have never decided to organize your life around him and follow him for the rest of your days. And today's your day. Today is your day to make that decision to say, you know what? I am off track in my life and Jesus is the solution to my problem. And today I'm going to take the way that God has made for me and I'm going to believe in Jesus. I'm going to put my trust in him. I'm going to organize my life around him. I'm going to become who he wants me to be. Some of you need to make that decision today. And in fact, in just a moment, we're going to sing a song together. And as we do, if you want to believe in Jesus for the very first time in your life, I'm going to invite you while we're singing that song to step out from where you're at and come to the front of this room. You can stand, you can kneel. If you're not able to do either one of those, you can grab a seat on one of these front pews. We just want you to come to the front so we can connect with you, so we can pray with you, so we can help you begin your journey in the Christian faith. Some of you today need to believe in Jesus because you've never made that decision. There are other people in this room. In fact, probably many of you, as I look around this room, I know that you already believe in Jesus. I, I know some of your stories. I've heard how you came to faith. I've heard of what you were like before you met Jesus and what you're like now. And your, your story is a story of grace. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of life change. And yet, I find that some of us who have walked with Jesus for a long time, we kind of fall into traps sometimes of thinking that we're right with God because of who we are or because of what we've done. And I want to just remind you of what Paul says in verse 27 of Romans chapter 3. He says, can we boast in anything that we have done as if something we have done made us in, uh, able to be accepted by God? Is that even possible? Of course not, Paul says. You didn't do anything to make yourself right with God. You're not that good. And so for you who've been walking with Jesus, whether it's for decades or days, I want to just remind you, you can't boast in yourself. There's only one person you can boast in, only one name, and his name is Jesus. And so as we sing this song this morning, 
People are going to come forward and they're going to believe in Jesus for the first time. But for those of you in this room and you already believe in Jesus, your job during this song is to boast in Jesus. To just lift up his name and just remember what it was like before you experienced salvation. Remember what it was like to be off track and to know that you weren't doing what God wanted you to do and that God was angry with you. And then just remember what it was like when you discovered that what you couldn't do for yourself, God had already done for you in the person of Jesus. Remember how he rescued you and put you back on the right path. And as we sing, I just want you to praise him because I don't know what else you do when you've been saved from your sins except praise the one who saved you. Amen? So I want to invite everybody in this room to stand. And if you're at home, I want to invite you to stand too. And if you're here this morning and you've never believed in Jesus as we sing this song, just step out from where you're at, come forward. You can kneel or stand. We're going to meet you right here. We're not going to embarrass you or condemn you in any way. We're just going to join with you, pray with you, and help you start your journey. For those of you who already believe in Jesus, this is time to boast in him. So let's sing this song together.